Hey guys, it's Laura with the trigger warnings for this episode. We are putting trigger warnings on for domestic violence, physical violence, racism, mentions of suicide, and incest. Please take care of yourselves and enjoy this episode. I have no pity. I have no pity. The more the worms writhe, the more I yearn to crush out their entrails. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. I'm changing. I'm so hot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Mad respect. I can't hear you. Sorry, I should have done this before, but also. <sighs> we could sell that audio. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, part of our Patreon collection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm if sorry, we start wait. a Patreon, I don't know. I don't even know what we would put on there. Like, I don't know. Yeah, we'd like, have to hey. do more content. Maybe that's where we put the bonus episodes. Probably, but, or what you do is it's like you make it seem like a gift and you say like, you can have our our entire unedited raw <laughs> audio footage, which is about two hours long. And most of the time, either one, us not talking about the book or two long periods of pauses while we have to change over from one Zoom to another. Yeah. <laughs> and then giving each other secret whisper messages for me to edit later yeah so, but that right. might be just me <laughs> i haven't found any whisper messages from you okay that's true well okay yeah. but you haven't because i'm the one who edits them so i guess i shouldn't well so i should stop leaving whisper messages because you're never going to get them because I leave them, but then I forget that I'm the one who has to edit it. So then I just edit it out. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm so sorry. There's no way I would know that. That's true. My oh bad. Oh my gosh. I'm going to stop leaving them. Actually, I revoke it. I'm not going to do that Well, anymore. then it's just for yourself. That's self-care. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm Laura, and that's Alora, a.k.a. Ellie. But we, you know, people get us mixed yes. up whether or not, whatever name we use. It doesn't matter. It doesn't At any matter. At time, we are the same. Yeah. So it's, it's been a while since um, Ellie and I talked, just so the listeners know, like we, it's been a month and a half and that's not normal. So that's, we yeah. are catching up as we speak right now. Um, it, but yeah. the reason we're all here is before this podcast called Reading Rainbow. And what is this about, Ellie? It is a podcast where we uh, read and sort of discuss slash review books that people have had to read in school or like the academia realm and yeah. we talk about like why we had to read them and what educational value it actually holds which is usually in our opinion not much no unless it's it kind of unless like it's great the discussions you'd have with your classmates outside of the classroom like what the hell why why did we do this this yeah. is this is not fun Maybe we should change our name since we're gonna get sued anyway for our current name Reading Rainbow and maybe it should just be like after, after class. class hallway whispers <gasps> yes after class whisper oh, messages maybe season four we <laughs> maybe or maybe that's our bonus maybe that's what our patreon channel is called after class yeah after class yeah oh my god no i love that so idea ideas so this month of what are we at november we made the terrible mm-hmm. um arduous decision to read weathering heights which was quite a feat for us that was written by emily bronte yeah. don't get it confused with Anne or charlotte bronte or any of their other many siblings 
That'll be a great dishonor. Yeah, it would be. It would be pretty embarrassing for you, to be honest. But also understandable because I didn't know the difference either. I didn't know either. Actually, no, I, I don't know anything. But, well, here's the thing. I don't know how we came to pick this book, but the only, before reading this, the only knowledge I had of Wuthering Heights is that it is Bella Swan's favorite yeah. book from Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. So. And now we understand what that says about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was saying, and now that I have read it, I'm like, actually, it kind of all fits into place. And I, it sounds like <laughs> Bella and I, reading-wise, would not be great reading buddies. No. And Just it's saying. like an unironic image. She Parallel image yeah. of what Twilight is. So um, I've prepared a little author fact if you want to share oh, a little sure. book fact. A little trade pr- 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 squid pro quo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to talk about the critical response of Ooh. this, of Wuthering Heights, um, that I'm getting from Wikipedia. It says, most critics recognize the power and imagination of the novel, but were baffled by the storyline and objected to this. <laughs> And objected to the savagery and selfishness of the characters. So then I'm going to read quick little blurbs of like all these places. So the Atlas <laughs> Review called it a strange inartistic story. So oopsies. Uh, but oh. commented that every chapter seems to contain a sort of rugged power, quote unquote. Um, Graham's Lady Magazine said how a human being could have attempted such a book as the present without committing suicide before he had <gasps> finished a dozen chapters is a mystery. It oh my god. a compound of vulgar depravity and unnatural horrors. And then American Wig, um, just, I, like, they all just say, um, Wuthering Heights is a strange sort of book. And then another one wrote, this is a strange book. And then another one wrote, like, uh, the, impo- the improbabilities of much of the plot uh, leaves us spellbound. <laughs> so I guess, it. I don't know, people have mixed feelings. It obviously evoked a lot of strong emotion for them. Yeah. I personally didn't particularly like it, but I wasn't like that. Like, I wasn't so, it didn't evoke so much for me as compared to freaking Dorian Gray. Interesting. Okay, that'll be an interesting comparison. Um, but that's my book fact, is that it had a lot of mixed reviews, but everyone thinks it's strange. No one's raving about it, but no one's necessarily, you know, banning it. Well, all publicity is good publicity, right? Sure. What is your author fact? My author fact, I was going to dive a bit into the Bronte sisters because I, I, I put it on a, I was, you know, really trying to put up a front earlier, but I also didn't know the difference between the Bronte sisters. Um, but so this one's written by Emily in particular, and... Uh, the other two you, that you might be familiar with are Anne and Charlotte. So Emily and Anne are the youngest, and those two were like really, really close, and Charlotte was a little older. They all wanted to like uh, start a school, and they were all writers. Um, and there is this one well-known collection of poems, um, poems by Kerr, Ellis, and Acton Bell, which they published under male pseudonyms because of the patriarchy and stuff like that. Um, sure. So that's really well-known, but actually it's kind of, there's some drama behind it because so... Emily and Anne, they were writing their poems and like sharing them with each other in secret. Um, and then Charlotte discovered the notebooks and she insisted that the poems be published. And then she added her own and stuff. And uh, Emily was pissed because she was like, no, that's a violation of my privacy. And it's unclear how they got from that argument to the publication. But like, oh, God, there was uh, there was some sister drama. Um, Wait, so... Emily is the middle sister or the youngest? Um, well, she, so they had multiple other siblings. Like there were six or seven in total. But 
Uh, but the three of them, okay. yeah, Emily's the middle, and Charlotte's the oldest. When I was reading a review about Wuthering Heights, someone compared it to Jane Eyre, and they said that Wuthering Heights was better because, uh, and they weren't surprised because Emily was always the stronger poet than Charlotte. God they, damn. they do a direct <laughs> comparison. I'm like, damn. She did, like, yeah, Ellis was- Bell's and, like, Emily's poems did get called out as, like, better than the others in the book. Also, I fully don't know how to say the umlaut e, so it, uh, it, it is what it is today, guys. I mean, I don't know either. Yeah. I'm just going based off of, uh, you know, what I've heard in the past, and I think everyone I've ever heard yeah. is just saying Bronte. Once again, this is a podcast for the Joes and not the Schmoes. We should look this up. No, just kidding. It don't matter. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, okay, we've covered uh, a, Basically, there's a lot of facts out there about these people. So just to clarify, like, you didn't read this in school, right? No. And neither did I. Well, in that case, why don't I read you the Goodreads blurb since we're both uh, never had to read this in school, although we did just suffer through it together this past, like, month. I would love it. Okay. I'm already looking at this Goodreads, and it's all about the many editions and not about the book, so bear with me. Oh, man. Okay. Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. At the center of this novel is the passionate love between Catherine Earnshaw and Heathcliff, recounted with such emotional intensity that a plain tale of the Yorkshire Moors acquires the depth and simplicity of an ancient tragedy. And I'm going to stop there because literally everything after that is about the fourth edition. We'll leave it at that. So that didn't really tell you much. Oh, it's a tragedy, all right. Yeah. And that is such a short blurb for the amount of pages you are, I won't say forced to read, but given to read. I'm sure that you have a much more extensive summary for us, Laura. Yeah, it's, listen, it's not going to be short, okay? Because (laughs) I'm going to try to give you a complete picture of what it is. If I were just telling you really quickly what it was, I would be like a bunch of cousins are bitches to each other and then marry each other. Yeah, That's like how it goes. But listen, we're we're in a more formal setting. So I'm going to... Give you a bit about the family tree before going in because it's just Needed. horrendous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there are two main families. There's the Earnshaws and the Lintons. And both of them are rich people, I guess. The Earnshaws, there's the mom and the dad. They don't matter that much. And they have Hindley and Catherine. Those are their two kids. And then the dad on one of his travels stumbles across a baby on the road and brings him home and names him Heathcliff. But Heathcliff does not get a last name. <laughs> he just gets named Heathcliff. Um, and also, Heathcliff is remarked many times as having dark complexion, so he's a person of color. Um, and then the Lintons, again, there's mom and dad, but then there's Edgar and Isabella. All right. So this is another frame story like Frankenstein mm-hmm. and probably another one we've also read where there is a narrator who introduces the story and tells the story but is not actually relevant as a person. Yep. Lockwood is the first narrator. He rents a room at a house called Thrust Crush thrust thrust crash great perfect um and because he's like an edgelord he's like yes i love being alone this is gonna be great no one lives out here i'm gonna have such a great time so the first thing he does is seek out socialization by visiting his um landlord heathcliff at wuthering heights so those are the two locations that exist in this world um thrust thrush thrush crash god thrush crash range (laughs) And Wuthering Heights. Um, so he goes there. He meets Heathcliff. He meets Joseph, who's a guy who works there. Um, 
he meets Hareton Earnshaw and Catherine Linton. Um, and Catherine Linton is the daughter of Catherine Earnshaw and Edgar Linton. Hareton Earnshaw is the son of Henley and his wife, Frances, who's not around the, for very who long in the story. Yeah. Um, uh, and the, so they and they're all just mean. They're mean to each other. There's there is domestic abuse in this. There's like physical violence. Um, there's verbal abuse. Um, they don't. They have to be bullied into letting Lockwood stay for dinner. He stays that night. He sees a ghost of the little girl named Catherine, and that's kind of creepy. Um, mm-hmm. And he finally gets home, and then he gets sick, and he's sitting there bored, and so he needs someone to talk to. Um, so he pulls in Mrs. Dean, the housekeeper at Thrushcross Grange, and he kind of asks about the people at. Wuthering Heights, and it turns out that Nellie Dean knows every detail about these people's lives. Thank God. So then she yeah. takes over the story. Mrs. Dean, she's been in these people's lives since she was a kid because she was a child housekeeper, I guess, when Catherine and Hindley were kids. So she was there when Heathcliff first entered the family. So Heathcliff becomes the favorite of their father, but Heathcliff himself is is just an asshole from the beginning. He takes advantage of everybody. He manipulates people. He like. Um, bullies Hindley into saying like, well, I'll tell dad that you like punched me in the face and then yeah. you're going to get a thrashing. And Hindley's like, Ugh, you little worm. Catherine, however, like loves Heathcliff. Like they are best, best friends. Um, he follows her lead. They go out to play on the moors a lot. The moors are a really important backdrop. Like that's what the landscape is like. And I looked up a picture and it kind of just looks like hills, but it's really important, I guess. Um, so like they go play outside a lot. Um, their playmates and Henley is like eight ish years older than the two of them but like Catherine herself is also like six years older than Heathcliff it, it don't think about it so they grow up and like Heathcliff's kind of fallen in love with Catherine like we all see it mm-hmm. but one day they're out playing and Catherine hurts her foot in the moors like her ankle and the um first house they encounter is Thrush Crush Grange um, Thrush Crush Grange yeah so they see Catherine and they recognize her as like the Earnshaw's kid Oh, also, like her mom has died at this point, and maybe her dad. I kind of forget, but the the parents are kind of not in the picture. So they recognize her. They bring her in. Um, Heathcliff start, like immediately swears at them and like says "fuck you" and something like that. And they're like, "Ew, this child is dirty." And they're like, "And he's a person of color. Yeah. We're not letting him in." So they force uh, him to go. So he's forced to go back to Wuthering Heights for the night. So that's how Catherine meets Edgar and Isabella. And they're like enchanted with each other. They're all like, wow, another child. She stays there for a while because they don't want to send her home. But they also recognize, hey, this is a um, a young girl who does not have a mother figure to like teach her how to be a young lady. So the mom, Linton, is like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So when Catherine comes back to Wuthering Heights, a lot of time has passed. She comes back all... Um, dolled up she's got a dress and at this point she knows how to act in polite society but she still acts like her normal self like and all these kids like they're rude they're mean yeah um like there's no one checking these kids like there's no one guiding them at all or, or if they try the kids just swear at them and it doesn't work so she comes back and Heathcliff is kind of like oh I don't know about this because everything's different so things are weird between them, but they, so she starts living this Hannah Montana life. I always use that analogy yeah. where she kind of is still wild and like uncouth and stuff with Heathcliff. But when Edgar and Isabella are around or if she goes to hang out with them, um, she's, she can play the part of a young lady. Eventually gets to the point where like, I think there's a physical altercation between her and Edgar and Heathcliff. Um, so that night she is like, Mrs. Because also she's not polite to Mrs. Dean, but she's always like, oh, you have to come sit with me so I can pour out my heart. So Mrs. Dean yeah. knows everything that these people think. Um, 
And she says out loud that I could never marry Heathcliff because he's so below my station. And Heathcliff is at the door, so he runs away. And he leaves for years. He does not come back. Um, <laughs> he pulls a classic then, Shrek maneuver where he's like, an ogre. I could never love an ogre. <laughs> and he runs away. But then, yeah, after that's he leaves. It. No, after he leaves. Yes. What does she Then she says that the next second she says, but I love him so much. We're soulmates. Bullshit. You cannot separate us. Um, and it's like, great, awesome. But so then, you know, Heathcliff's gone and she's sad. She gets married to Edgar, moves to Thrustcross Grange. Also, Hindley has had a child at this point, Hareton Earnshaw, who was at the house, but his mom died and he's a baby at this point. So Nellie's well, been well, taking care of him. We'll get into this later, but my biggest gripe, these bitches couldn't think of new names for their goddamn <laughs> lives. <laughs> Except for Hareton, I, which is very close to Heathcliff and Hindley. So didn't help. I know. So Hareton is a baby at this point and is being taken care of by Nellie. But Hindley's like, get the hell out of here, Nellie. You're going with Catherine. So she has to part with the baby. And there's no, like, we don't really know who takes care of the baby from there. But so now Nellie's following Catherine because she has to be there for the narrative to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're living their life and whatever. And then Heathcliff comes back and he's an adult, I guess, at this point, although they only mention it's been like three years. He's very regal and refined now. And he has he's rolling in the dough because he's he's staying at Wuthering Heights. And they're like, how could Henley let you live there? Like, he hates you. And you said you'd kill him that one time and everything. Because um, his whole thing is he's like, I'm taking revenge on all of you for hurting me every moment of my life. Yeah. It comes about that he lets slip to Henley that he has tons and tons of money. So Henley's keeping him around because Henley's losing all of his fortune in drinking and gambling mm-hmm. and needs money. It has yeah. debts. It's a mess. So then they start up. They start the Hannah Montana thing up again where because Catherine's like, why can't but the two men in my life, Edgar and Heathcliff, just get along for my sake? And it's like, you're so tone deaf. <laughs> like, what are you saying? Also, you're kind of like um, a horrible person. So, yeah, like you're also not good a person. <laughs> and then um, there it comes to blows again because they're like sh- she and Heathcliff are shouting at each other in the kitchen. Edgar comes in. He's like all right, I'm going to throw you out for real. And Heathcliff's like, oh, really? Fight me. And Ed- Edgar's like going to call someone, like one of his servants in to help him out. But then Catherine goes and locks the door, throws the key in the fire and says, no, you have to fight him by yourself. Oh my gosh. And then Edgar sits down and cries. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, like... Also, he's been, like, flirting with Isabella. As a, Isabella thinks she's in love with Heathcliff. Yeah. Catherine just makes fun of her, but little started her face and in front of Heathcliff um, for that. Yeah, so, okay, so after that altercation with the throwing the key in the lock, um, Heritage, no, Heath, pff, Heathcliff Don't. elopes with Isabella. Like, they marry and run away. So then Edgar's like, he's, he's like, I'm not mad. Isabella just chose to leave and we're not family anymore. Um, but yeah, and I've disowned her. Yeah, whatever. Um, but then Isabella moves in with Heathcliff at Wuthering Heights, and everybody there is nasty to her. They don't give her a proper bed. They don't give her proper food. Um, Hindley's like super scary because he's like he has been physically abusive to his child Harriton this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really scared of him, so that's really awful. And Edgar will not help her. Um, and well, and also Dean is also the go-between. It's still yeah. the go-between between well, these and people. Well, it's also obvious that like you know Heathcliff married Isabella not because he actually gave a shit about her, but it's all for revenge. And he's like, no. this is all part of my plan. Yes, because he he says like in the letter he puts this in writing. If I can't take my revenge on Catherine and Edgar, I'm going to take my revenge on you instead. Um, that's awful. Um, Isabella eventually runs away, and then Heathcliff, um, Catherine's on her deathbed. 
and she has a fight with Heathcliff and like um she dies and so everybody blames Heathcliff for her death um even though she was just she was already She's sick already also sick he like takes die. she opens her locket which has like her hair and like yeah. Edgar's hair and he throws out Edgar's hair and puts his own hair inside <laughs> and, and he's like that's Nellie it that's Dean. the law and then Nellie Dean goes into the back end and opens the locket and puts all the hair back inside <laughs> so um so weird um so Catherine's dead and um Edgar's raising Kathy their daughter alone he can't call her Catherine because that reminds him of his wife but god <laughs> and I, like, couldn't think of another um, name they they're the one who, they're the ones who chose that the same name so. um but whatever and also isabella she runs away from heathcliff to london a third location in this story yep. has a baby names that baby linton so this is now linton heathcliff um so we're God. finally at the point where we have another generation of cousins then they're all cousins yeah. okay there's harrison earnshaw who's henley's son mm-hmm. catherine Kathy Linton, who is Catherine Earnshaw and oh, Edgar Linton's daughter. And then there's Linton Heathcliff, who's Isabella and Heathcliff's son. No, um, no, there's not a allowed. Cousin. Oh, my God. It's not allowed. Um, and so Linton, the child, is like very sickly. He takes he needs a lot of taken care of. Um, they try to have him live with Edgar instead because he's like his uncle. But Heathcliff there's a custody battle. Heathcliff is like, nope, yeah. I'm taking that child away. And well, he's like, I know you it, have my bitch. baby and I will find that baby and take it back because it's mine. Yes. Not yes. him, um, And yes. So um, his plan of revenge at this point, because it's still going, is like he's now he's now the owner of Wuthering Heights because Hindley has died in debt to him. So he's the owner now. Um, so then he's treating Hareton like a servant. So that's his revenge on Hindley because his son doesn't get to inherit his home. He raises Linton to be an instrument of revenge because he's trying to get Linton and Kathy Linton to be married. Um, and they can have a child called Linton Linton. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so Kathy grows up and she's like pretty much she's a lot like her mom where she's like also rude and stuff but she's like much more innocent because she hasn't had all this other stuff happen to her um she meets there's this whole time where like she meets linton and like they're romancing each other through secret letters and nelly's like stop it um (laughs) stop that but (laughs) then they start and then like somehow um through heathcliff's blessing they start meeting in person it is very very obvious that Heathcliff has threatened Linton that like you'd better romance her and make her fall in love with you because otherwise like I'm gonna kill you. He like he's terrified. Oh my god! Um, and they physically like get her and Nellie into Wuthering Heights and lock them there. And Heathcliff's like you're gonna stay here and get married. Like they and also take care of Linton because he's very sick. Yes, all that the too. time forever. Um, and, and Linton is like very also very mean to Kathy because he's like. He's constantly like, oh, why would you write a letter? It was so tiring for me to read le- read and write letters. Like, why would you do this? Why would you be mean to me? Why would you let me get cold? Why would you do this, this, and this? So they get married. Edgar is sickly and dies. He does get to see Kathy once before he dies. And she kind of doesn't let on what's going on because she wants him to die happy. To so die he happy, does. yeah. Um, yeah, so then they're married. And then eventually Linton dies. So Kathy is now stuck at Wuthering Heights. Because she also, um, they didn't get the will changed in time. So now Heathcliff owns both Wuthering Heights and Thrushcross Grange. So that's how we came to be when Lockwood finds them. Lockwood has his whole time and then he leaves. But then he comes back 
later just to visit. And everything's different because Heathcliff has died. And now Kathy Linton and Hareton Earnshaw are like flirting and they're going to get married. And Nellie Dean is back at Wuthering Heights and Heathcliff is dead. And like, I guess everybody's happy. (laughs) Well, I was like, so Catherine, the mother, gets buried in some cemetery and then... Edgar gets buried along with her because that's his dying wish. And then I think when Heathcliff dies, he like, or like, I think he has an arrange where doesn't he like dig up Edgar, throw him out and then put himself in the pond <laughs> or something like that. He's like petty to the grave. No. Okay. Here's what it is. I found it really quick on, on Spark Notes. It says, while the sexton uh, was digging Edgar's grave, Heathcliff, Heathcliff had him removed from the earth from his beloved Catherine's and he opened her coffin to gaze upon her face which he says is still recognizable. Heathcliff asserts <laughs> that Catherine will not crumble to dust until he joins her in the ground, at which point they will share the transformation together. He forces the sexton to remove one whole side of the, her coffin, the side not facing Edgar, and that when he dies, he will require in his will that the corresponding side of his coffin be removed so that he and Catherine might mingle in the earth. Oh, what? <laughs> So yeah, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous book. Um, and I stand by what I said. It's just a bunch of cousins being bitches and then marrying each other. Um, in that case, adoptive siblings. Um, yeah. Oops. <laughs> Adopted. Adoption. Oh. Oops. Um, oopsie. <laughs> so um, yeah, thank you for coming on that journey with me. I read this with my eyes for the first 10 chapters. And then I was like, I don't have time for this. So then I started listening. There's um. It's in the public domain, so there is a podcast version of it. Um, so that's what I listen to. Dude, nice. But on podcast, Apple Podcasts, you can't go faster than two times speed. And I was like, I've got to go even faster. You're like, I need four times speed. Because, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just... So that's the end of the summary. Let's go into unanswered questions and or just sure. when we just talk about the book. And we're back. I tried my freaking best, and I'm sorry if you. I'm sorry if these characters are hard to remember. Okay. Well, here's the thing. There's like so. There's so many characters, yet so few because they keep it all in the family. <laughs> Listen, it's just cousins marrying cousins yeah. marrying their other cousins, and like you add just add one more person, but it's so confusing because they all mm-hmm. have the same freaking name. Okay. Exactly. You have Edgar Linton, and then. Isabella Linton has a son who she names Linton, but his last name is now Heathcliff's last name, which is... Oh, Linton Heathcliff. Oh, he did. Oh, I'm pretty sure. I think it's Linton Heathcliff. And so, like, not only is it they're all getting the same names, but then they're just getting, like, last names made into first names and first names Mm -hmm. made into last names. So I don't know anything. And I'm just like, y'all... Pick another name. Come on, yeah. Put in um, put put in like a Bryson or something. I don't know. Yeah, please. <laughs> I also want to point out the time is very flexible in this. I don't know if it's plotted out well because when Hindley dies, um, so that is what that's still that's while Heathcliff is at his house and before Catherine has died. He dies at twenty seven. He's not that old. And when Heathcliff was a kid, like. Hindley was a teenager, so the time between we'll say like ten years passed. Their child, yeah, their childhood in that is like ten years. But then Heathcliff was only gone; like he ran away only for like three years or something. So I don't really know how this all works. And then when Kathy Linton, the child Linton, the cat, the child Kathy, <laughs> when she marries 
Linton. <laughs> child Linton. It doesn't matter. They're all just words and they don't mean anything anymore. I know. When she bears that, she's 18. <laughs> like, um, So that's 18 years between her birth. I don't know. Yeah. It's what? confusing. And then. Like, if you write down these ages, it's very confusing. And, okay, because, like, Catherine Earnshaw is only like six or seven when they bring Heathcliff home and they don't know how old Heathcliff is, but he is a baby at that point. Um, so she is like five to six to seven years older than him. Um, it just doesn't make sense, essentially. Because then, then, okay, wait, if, no, stop, everybody. Because if like, Hindley dies at 27 and then Kathy dies at, is 20 when he dies, then that mean, that would mean that Heathcliff is still like 14 when he comes back as a rich man. <laughs> I, this is this is my question. I don't think this makes. I don't think this adds up. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the the world's first fourteen year old billionaire, but so he if he's twenty seven, even if she's only like four to five years younger, and then there's that's twenty three, and then but then this, there's Heathcliff, that's like eighteen. It still doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're like I'm expecting like you were gone and you come back and you're twenty seven and you're also the heiress to millions, but it's like no. Yeah, he's fourteen. His Balls have just half dropped. Okay, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I don't like. He's still gaining height. Like he's still getting taller as a person. I will also say, no wonder this is Bella's favorite book because it's about like yes. these two guys who like are just weak and shitty and yeah, fight Petty. for her until even after death. Even after death in the coffin, they'd be taken out one side of her coffin to mingle with the other side. Locking the other one away, like. But it never ended. It goes on for generations and generations. No, I love talking about Bella Swan because, yeah, of course, and also, oh, okay, I have a question, and it's actually a proxy question. This is what my friend um, asked me to investigate. Do we is Heathcliff a vampire? I okay, he must be. He must (laughs) if he's getting billions at fourteen or something. I don't know. Yes, or he has to be, or he's a werewolf. And he's coming out in, at night and murdering yeah, other billionaires and stealing their wealth. Pretty much. He, um, cause he also, he has a hand in raising Hareton Earnshaw. Like he kind of intercedes between Hareton and Henley. Um, he raises him to be really good. He teaches him swears so that when Nellie encounters mm-hmm. him as a child, she's like, oh, I was your nurse. I took care of you as a baby. And he like throws rocks at her. <laughs> he's like, fuck um, you, bitch. And you're like, oh. And she's like, where's your father? And he's like, devil daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he definitely like is a very imposing character and is very, shows very, very little redeeming qualities. Like I don't really know of a redeeming quality he has. I want to do you, what do you think? Maybe. OK, maybe. When he went and got rich, maybe he went to his little vampire trove of treasure, took three years to go dig it up, yeah, and then came back with it. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Redeeming, unanswered question. Are there any redeeming yeah. qualities of Heathcliff? At one point, he is, like, he is nice to Hareton because he comes back and he's like, hey, I know your father treats you like shit. Let me show you how to defend yourself. But there's ulterior motives to that, obviously. Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's not that yeah. nice. Uh, no. And it's like, supposedly it all stems from when he was a child and Henley treated him so poorly. Yeah. So, but I, I'm just like, they they must have treated you pretty bad for you to go on for a couple years and do everything in your couple power. Couple decades till you die. <laughs> yeah, couple decades till you died. And yeah. where every decision was motivated by revenge. But also, yeah. this is a person of color. 
walking around. Mm-hmm. So it probably was, he probably was like, yeah, the world's against me, so fuck all. Yeah, there's also a lot of nurture versus nature because, like, he is very manipulative from the start. Um, like, he knows that Father Earnshaw loves him the most, and he doesn't, like, really return it. He just knows that it's, oh, that's a fact that I can use to my advantage. Um, and, like, to, I can use to get what I want and out of things. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's, like, blamable for that necessarily. You know, like, because he, on the one hand, like, yes, the father, like, favorited him. But I don't know if that necessarily equates to, like, having shown love for him. Because he also, he did not get love from anybody besides Catherine in the family. Like, the mom and Shaw was like, ooh. I think she also dies, like, pretty soon yeah. after. Um, and she was just home. like, this random kid was just brought into her house. Like, I don't know him. Whether or not he was a person of color, they were just like random baby in the house. Mom taking yeah. care of it. Honestly, it's like a pretty big, kind of a weird move for Father Earnshaw to do. Just like even, you know, nowadays we're talking about whether an adoptee child has consent to be adopted. Like, no one gives consent in this situation. Like, not the baby, not your wife, not the siblings, only you. Which is just typical white man behavior. <laughs> well, and also, you know, it's back in the day when, you know, parenting roles weren't shared. So it really was like, he's like, hey, honey, I'm home. And I brought you this new thing that you have to take care of. And by thing, I mean yes. human being. But it is, yeah, like, you know that the wife is just like, oh, and I'm assuming you're not going to have any role in parenting mm-hmm. this. Human. Oh, oh, okay. okay. So... More work for me is what you're saying. Wow. Also, there's a moment where during that physical altercation where Edgar, like, does not fight Heathcliff, um, that uh, Nellie Dean had been listening to Heathcliff and Catherine's argument, goes to tell Edgar that it's happening because she's kind of concerned but also kind of angry. And then he, then everything happens. And afterward, Edgar's like, why would you tell me about that? Don't ever interfere with our stuff again, Nellie. And I'm like... Basically, the working class always loses in these situations. Um, Dude, okay. But then there's the other thing. So I think Heathcliff goes... Heathcliff goes to Thrush Crush Grange. Thrush Crush Grush. And he, like, uh, talks to Edgar and Catherine. And then then they're like, you're banned. So then he goes back to Wuthering Heights. And Hinley is still alive. Tries to, like, lock him out. And he has yeah. a gun, and he's like, I'll freaking shoot you! And then he yeah. literally, like, turns it and, like, shoots him in the face or something. like <laughs> oh Not the God. face, but the hand or something, right? He, like, breaks oh his hand God. off or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, Isabella's there, and Isabella's, like, caught in the middle of this, and she's, like, terrified. Also, that gun has, like, a knife attached or something. It's a like, bayonet, it's a knife yeah, gun. yeah. And I think he just stabs yeah, yeah, yeah. him. But, yeah, Seaclef is definitely a vampire. Because he can survive that. He can survive anything. Well, if you're ready, I think we can just go... I mean, we've already been dancing. I, yeah, I don't... <laughs> intended yeah. takeaways and judgments. Um. Okay. I just want to point out that this book is demonizing everybody. It demonizes people of color. It demonizes women. It demonizes people who are chronically ill. Uh, nobody's safe, okay? It demonizes Mm-mm. the white man. <laughs> it demonizes the working class. Ah, it's just not a good look for anybody here. <laughs> well, it like this reminds me of pretty much any Tim Burton film when you that when you okay. watch where everyone in the world is just kind of scary and horrible, but mm-hmm. because that's what everyone's like and that's the reality you're like the people in the world are just like yeah this is how we function and that's how it feels like in this like everyone Mm -hmm. is just horrible so then like but for us on the outside looking in you're like there's you're like where are the normal people (laughs) where are the people who have like good intent (laughs) and like 
aren't like selfish needs. There's lights. <laughs> yeah, where's the light in here? But also, okay, so I'll say my final judgment is Wuthering Heights is convoluted Christian Twilight versus what Stephanie Myers <clears throat> gives us, which is simple mm. Mormon saga. So that's my yeah. final judgment. Oh my God, nice and pithy. I like it. Yeah. Um. Apparently, like, so weathering, the word, means, like, very tumultuous. Like, the weather, it's exposed to the elements, and there are Strong storms a winds. lot. Yes, so that's, you know, that's symbolic or whatever. The moors have symbols <laughs> and stuff. Um, the path between Weathering Heights and Thrushcroft Grange. I feel like, okay, I feel like you could talk about that, the symbolism. There's also, I'm guessing there's stuff about foreshadowing. It would be more better foreshadowing if they didn't all share names with each other there's also like elements of the supernatural because lockwood definitely has an encounter with Catherine earnshaw's ghost yeah um then I, it describes that like a child's hand reaches and grabs him and won't let it go so he like rubs it against this windowsill until it like bleeds and then like rips his arm away i don't have that much to yeah. say because i was just like it's long and convoluted and at its core i think the the story is interesting. I'm not really bothered by the immorality of the characters. Really what it was for me was I just want to get to the story and like they mm-hmm. would not let us do that. I think this is definitely a book that would be improved by a film play adaptation. I feel like that would be more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And my last judgment is peace for Nellie, honestly. Let her have stable employment. Let her like have let her have clients that are decent to her. Oh, also fucking the um Heritage Earnshaw, like Heathcliff does not let him learn how to read or does not like bother to teach him to read. So then Kathy Linton kind of ends up making fun of him and looking down on him for like not being able to read. And then when like they, she's trapped in the house and it's just them because Linton has died. She's like, he stole all my books and he can't even read them. And he's just being nasty to me. And he was like, I was trying to learn how to read. All right. Um, so he gives them back. And then they eventually like they, you know, it's a little cute. Like, they eventually learn, she teaches someone to read, and he's like, oh, I learned how to read. Do I get a kiss? And she, like, smacks him, and she's like, not until you finish the next paragraph. And I just want to point out that trying to learn to read on your own and learning it from, like, Greek tra- and Latin, like, tragedies or whatever the fuck she had on her shelf, like, go for- good for him, honestly. Yeah, that's no one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish stuff. They're just like... No, like, that's not where we start to read as humans. We don't start with full-length books. Oh my god. So, honestly, good for him. If we have to read this in schools, a lesson you could learn is, you know, just don't let your... Don't hold a grudge like that, dude. It'll really take over your life. I think it just goes back to my other thing of, like, it didn't make me feel... Wuthering Heights didn't make me feel a lot because it was all of this intense action and, like, these big moments of um, revenge were broken up by these characters who are so far removed and also like just talking incessantly that I just, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my gosh, did Heathcliff just stab Hinley? And then they'd be like, Nellie's like, well, it's off for me to go to bed now. See you. Tip top. <laughs> and then, and then we dig it taken out even further. And Lockwood's like, and then I stood in the fire for six hours and then I was hungry. So then I went to go see Nellie again. And then they have a whole pre-conversation and then, uh-huh. Lockwood finally gets the balls and he's like, anyway, so yes, last night you were telling me about the stabbing. And then she's like, oh, yes. And then we go back in. But it's like <laughs> so much, too much time to like get yeah. for the tension to be released that it doesn't, the momentum doesn't carry. It's true. It's true. I was going to compare it to Pride and Prejudice, which um, we haven't read yet. But like Pride no. and Prejudice, I would also say like takes this fucking time. Mm-hmm. But 
is not filled with like just so much bullshit <laughs> like we see over and over again how like like how not nice they are to each other i think the like more interesting parts were when nelly was reflecting upon the characters themselves and like kind of being like because when um she was comparing edgar linton's grief over losing Catherine earnshaw linton to um henley losing his wife She's like, Edgar is sad, but he like knows he's supposed to, he needs to be there for Kathy. Um, so he's like kind of taking it quietly and like, rather than just falling into self-destruction and like harming others, he's, you know, raising his child. <laughs> I thought, anyway, I thought character beats like that were interesting and added it in rather than just long explanations of terrible, terrible arguments. Rated out of ten. One. Yeah, I'm gonna go <laughs> the one. Great. Is one the lowest? Yeah, I think that one is the lowest. Oh, okay. I'll give it a two. I'll give it a two. I think it has potential. Again, I think that the story there is kind of interesting. I think What do you mean is one the not... lowest? What is lower than a one? Zero. Have we ever rated something zero? I'm just checking if it's going from zero to ten or one to ten. We made the podcast. We get to say whether it goes from zero to one. I'm, I, I'm just making sure we're going by the same scale. All right. All right. Whatever. Continue. Why is it a two okay. potential? I think it has potential. I think the story itself is interesting. It's a story revenge. It's kind of exciting. I just think the characters need a bit more nuance. I think they need some moments that give us some reason to be invested in them. If they're all assholes the whole way through and we have no reason to pity them or root for them at all. It's just so tedious, and it was. So that's my critique. Also, f quit demonizing every category of human being ever. You know, when people when people say, like, oh, I don't have a favorite, I hate you all equally, I think that's just that's what, what this, this book, book is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just add a little nuance, you know? Okay, Emily, write that down. <laughs> yeah. Take that to the grave. Just kidding. Don't haunt me outside my bedroom window tonight. No. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'll say a one. I was just, it did not, cool. gri it did not grip me in really any no. way, shape, or form. It just took so long. It could have gripped me, but it didn't. Yeah, like Scarlet Letter gripped me more than this, and that one was such a, you know, <laughs> that one was also <laughs> tedious. tedious. Yeah. Okay, we chose a lot of old books this. I know. This year. Listen, season four, it's gonna be new books forever. Just kidding. yeah, we're only gonna be look at the past six months for school books. So, what do you yeah. recommend in lieu of Wuthering Heights? Okay, well, on the concept of cousins marrying each other, I'm going to recommend The Lightning Thief by um, Rick Riordan, Percy Jackson. They, all of them, all the books. I haven't read all of them either, but listen, that's my recommendation, okay? Because you need, listen, you need some joy in your life. You deserve it. You deserve some levity after this book, so... Go find That's it. That's true, yeah. Go give yourself a little treat. Boom. What about you? Um, I'm going to recommend The Secret Garden by Frances Hudson Burnett. I have definitely mm. seen the movie with Maggie Smith, and I think mm -hmm. it touches on similar feels of what I think Wuthering Heights was trying to evoke. But I also, a long time ago, did listen to the book. And it's, you know, about... You have your main character, Mary Lennox, and, like, she's not likable. Everyone calls her mean names. They have a whole, like rhyme about her and she's also just a, like a little bratty kid then she goes to live with her uncle edgar i think his name is edgar like 
Edgar? Something. And then she meets her cousin who's a secret, stowaway, sickly kid. And they don't fall in love or marry each other, but she, like, befriends him. But also they're still, like, two nasty kids sometimes and they fight a lot. Yeah. So I like that. Other things I'll recommend when we talk about all these characters and all, like, all these storylines and also, like, your allegiances switching between character and character. Game of Thrones. It does a wonderful job. And then, like, you watch... Whether you read the book, which I've only listened to the first one, or you watch the TV shows, or the TV show, or, because I haven't seen Game of Thrones all the way through, I have seen House of Dragons season one, and that has kids just being horrible to each other, and you don't like any of them, but you're still invested. Or, like, they have moments of levity, but then they go around and, like, do something absolutely horrible, and you're like, I thought I was on your side. And they are all related. And they all are related, and there's a lot of intermarrying intermar- cousins and whatevers, like... Yep. Frickin' yes. So, I would recommend that. And that is what okay. I will say. Also, to be clear, the lightning thief, only the god cousins marry each other. Yeah. The human cousins don't marry each other. <laughs> <laughs> because Rick Riordan has specifically said that it doesn't count. <laughs> That's true. Doesn't count. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, what have you currently been reading? So the only thing I've finished this last time has been After She Wrote Him by Solari Gentile. We're putting that in the don't recommend category. Um, mm. And I'm currently reading Portrait of a Thief by Grace Lee. Okay. Currently reading. Um, I am reading Here There Be Gerblins, which is a graphic novel Ooh. about the podcast The Adventure Zone, which is a D&D podcast. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'm also listening to Civil War on Sunday, which is Magic Treehouse number 21. Civil War uh, on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Civil War on Sunday. I'm like a little surprised because or I think it was number 11. They go on the Titanic and like they're no longer <gasps> just doing things where it's like, oh, let's go back in time to the Trojan era. Let's go to, let's go on African safari. Let's go to the Sahara Desert. Now they're like, now we're going to historic places. And I'm just like, Mary Pope Osborne, how are you going to handle this handle this yeah how are you gonna handle the civil war on sunday or like how are you gonna handle the titanic or i mean i'm just waiting for when they're just like no i'm not gonna say that that's like super dark but i'm just waiting until they no, go when they, yeah when they see something super super tragic and you're like mary pop osborne did you really have to go there i don't know okay and then oh, lastly i'm listening to the guest list by lucy foley and i think that got 2020 goodreads book of the year it was nominated or something so far i really like it and it takes place in england specifically they mentioned cornwall and they mentioned a couple of <gasps> other places so it's really fun it's a thriller yeah um and i'm liking it so far so i so far i would recommend that also i just want to i ordered a book um it's a sequel i've been looking forward to and i'm going to open it on this podcast ready <gasps> oh wow oh it didn't open that way oh I'm not getting any of these sound bites, but I'm sure it's intense. Yeah, I got it. Um, oh, God, I don't want to destroy this book, actually. Actually, I don't want to destroy the book. Actually, I'm against destroying books. Yeah, it's Heart of the Sun Warrior by Sue Lintan. I loved the pre- the first book, um, God- Daughter of the Boom Goddess. So excited. So now I have a book to look forward to right now with all Yay. my all my freaking free time that I have. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. That's why I'm listening to all the Magic Treehouse books because I have no time. Yeah. And I finished like six of those on my commute to to school. Okay. Yeah. 
since last time I did read another book that's probably like one of my top or ones that I'm going to recommend like to the book club to like everyone. I really, really liked it. Cool. So since last time I read Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory by Raphael Bob Waxberg. Uh, I couldn't, this is like one of my top books that I listened to this year. It's a short, it's like a collection of short stories, which normally I don't really enjoy. But the, all of these, I think like hit like fire. I thought they were just really good. And it's all about love and connection and like different kinds of love and all that. But I just thought it was nice and clever and they were short and sweet. So would recommend that. Um, I listened to Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones. That one was all right. It was pretty, I don't know, pretty middle of the road. And then the rest is a bunch of Magic Treehouse books. So it was Polar Bears Past Bedtime, Day of the Dragon King, Vacation Under the Volcano, Hour of the Olympics, Viking Ships at Sunrise, Tonight on the Titanic, Tigers at Twilight, Buffalo Before Breakfast, and Dingoes at Dinner Time. <laughs> Yeah. So I didn't go with my baby. I was also about to say Domingo's at dinner time, but the Domingo <laughs> is just Sunday in Spanish. Yeah. So not that. Um Okay. But I think that oh also I gave up on two of the books that Ooh. I was reading for class because then I realized like normally I'm a big nerd and I'm like, even if the readings aren't required, I'm gonna read them. This semester I'm like just uh-huh. like two weeks ago, I was like, I'm not going to waste my mother uh-uh. effing time on these. So I, originally I was reading, I think, like History of Film, which was a huge ass boring textbook. And I was reading Producer to Producer. No longer. I've thrown them out. And Great. I'm never going to touch them Awesome. Again. I support it. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think that brings us to the end. So... Take it away, Laura. Okay. So if you guys want to reach out to us at any time, you can email us at readingnotreading at gmail.com. I'm going to spell it out. Yes. R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. If you want to tweet us for as long as you can. Yeah, we don't um, know. As long as it may last, we have a Twitter account at rednotreadpod, at sign R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. Lovely. And if you want to order books um, and support us at the same time, as well as other independent bookstores, like I just did with this purchase, Mm -hmm. uh, you can find our bookshop affiliate link. Every purchase there um, through the website does support independent bookstores. Our affiliate link also gives us commission when you make purchases with it. Um, So we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Is that everything, Ellie? (laughs) It has been a month and a half since I've done this. Yeah. No, we, the only thing I'll mention is we have a website where you can find all of our yes. back catalog, links to our Twitter and bookshop, as well as our email. Who knows? In season four, we might, and also if Twitter goes down, we might introduce uh, an Instagram or something. But until then, who knows? That's all that's on TikTok. our website. Yeah. Uh, oh, t- oh, maybe. Bro, maybe. Maybe. That'd be legit. Maybe. Bro. Bro. Um, Bro. And then... Also, we have bonus episodes that are released the second Thursday of every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this edited by me edited by laura this year and they're shorter this year we're reading uh anamorphs we read a chapter or a couple chapters a month because we read the book throughout the entire year yeah so Um, so our final installment keep your eyes out soon for our last one um i already (laughs) i don't even know what we're reading oh you said what are we you know laura what are we reading for our to end this year of 2022 a Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. Yeah, join us in December for our season finale. Yippee! Oh yeah, season finale. Keep langling. 